Shalom everyone, uh, welcome to the Shi'ur on the story of Yiftach. The story of Yiftach appears in Shoftim, and we start with Perik Yud Aleph. story of Yiftach part starts with Perik Yud Aleph. Well actually, to be honest, the story of Yiftach actually starts just a bit before Perik Yud Aleph. The story of Yiftach has a backdrop which is the end of Perikud, in which Bnei Amon attacked the Jewish people. It says at the end of Perikud, mm-hmm. And the, the, the uh, chieftains, the Sarim of Gilad, turn to each other and say, what do they say? Who's going to lead us? Who's going to take the initiative? And what will he get? Sorry, it's not a question. It's The person who leads us to war against Amon, he will be, and this is an interesting phrase, Translate that to me. What is Rosh? Head. Yoshve Gilad. The inheritance of Gilad, exactly. That is a term that is not that common in Tanakh at all. The concept of, we find the yellow rosh, uh, uh, all sorts of stuff like that, but generally, the Yeshve Gilad, are we talking about tribes? Don't we say yellow rosh? By the way, which tribes sit in the area of Gilad? Where is Gilad, by the way? Just so we know what we're talking about. Right? This is. Medina, well, I'm in Medina Israel, whatever it is, we have the Kinneret, and then we have the Dead Sea, right? Gilad is, and then we have the Golan, Nachon. Gilad is actually more or less this. What do you mean that? That's called the whole of Eva Yarden. So, I'm giving you a uh, a little uh, behind the scenes here because I actually happen to be fascinated with Gilad. Uh, I've, it's been one of my pet projects and I've been doing all sorts of research into the whole story of Gilad. Mostly started from this parak actually in Yiftach because we find Gilad is different. Okay, if we actually look at Medinatis, uh, if we look at Eretz Israel from a geographical p- perspective, okay, we basically start with the sea. I'm going in from the west, okay? We have the sea, and then we hit Tel Aviv, right? All the little skyscrapers. And then we have the Shvela, which is hills, uh, pretty random hills. The equivalent of probably the area of uh, what we would now know as Bechemesh, and that kind of stuff. And then, again, obviously, different plates. But the Shvela, basically, this part is the Shvela. Okay? Hills. And then we have the big mountain range, which is the big mountain range here. Okay? Down the middle. And then we actually hit the mountains. Right? And we hit the mountains of Arei Yehuda. Exactly. Or, that's the south. In the south, it's Arei Yehuda. If you come from Bechemesh, have you ever gone from Bechemesh via up the back of Bechemesh? So that you're suddenly winding around all the hills going, woo, right into the sky. 
right? Because Gush Etzion is actually very high. You have Arei Yehuda, and then you have the crest of Arei Yehuda, and you have Yerushalayim on there at a certain stage, right? Going up, again, don't forget this is Arachachof, right? So this is Arei Yehuda, Yerushalayim is over here, if we start from, let's say, Ashkelon, and then, okay, just so we don't get confused, and then, what happens after Arei Yehuda? It drops, right? Where does it drop to? Right down to the Dead Sea, okay? Where the Dead Sea is. And then, on the other side of the Dead Sea, it starts to go up again, pretty high. But actually, if you look, again, this is a bit exaggerated, but it, grew, it drops to the city over there, okay, right below sea level. But, especially in the north, around here, actually, it goes up like this. On the other side. That's why if you look down from the Golan, right, if we take this cut again from the other side, we start, yeah, have anyone done the Yam Liam? Ever heard of the Yam Liam? Right? It's a very worthwhile thing. Yam Liam basically is it. And then you hit at a certain stage, there's the Kinneret, right? The Kinneret. And then on the other side of the Kinneret, the Golan. And that's one of the reasons why, before the Jews, the Israelis, conquered the Golan in 67, there were little cannons on the Golan that were that were making life absolute hell for the kibbutzim around Kinneret. Now, if you happen to live over here, okay, everything that's going on around here is like a different continent, which it isn't more or less, because there's the rift in the middle. So basically, anyone who's standing on the area of Gilad, they're, they've got their own life. This, this goes like deep into the sand, and there's the desert. There's a whole life to be lived on the hill. And they keep looking into Eretz Israel and thinking, Christ, what a balagan. I have a claim. I have a theory that Gilad, and again, this is purely my theory, this is purely my claim. I hope to one day write it up into something useful. But I have a theory that Gilad, this whole area of Gilad, which, by the way, which Vatim lived here? Exactly. So this is Reuven, Gad, and then Chatzir Shevet Basically, more or less, from Dvorah Barak, which was Perak Hay of Sefer Shoftim, Reuven is not mentioned again in the whole of the Tanakh. Now that is someone who just disappears under the waves. Why? Because my theory is, this turns into the area called Gilad. The whole area is called Who was Gilad? Gilad was the grandson of Menashe. Gilad min Machir bin Menashe. Menashe at the top were the big bosses. And slowly, slowly, they basically joined together with Gad who were also big bosses, and we'll, feel, we'll find Gad scattered around through. But basically, my theory is, Gilad is the new polis. No, not polis, uh, polis is, uh, is a, but it's a new state, right? Now, we actually know a bit about Gilad. We keep finding them in other places in Tanakh. They fought a lot of enemies around the area. Who, who's to the south of Gilad? Ruven, this is Moab, very good. Who's to, well... Right behind them is Ammon. That's why Ammon and Yiftach have a lot of talking to do, right? Who's to the north of them? No, Ashur is over here. But in the middle of Ashur, you have 
Aram. Dum dum dum. Okay, Aram, which is in modern day Syria and parts of Iraq. Aram was huge. There were many Arams. Aram Naraim, Aram Tsova, all sorts of different Arams. And the Jews fight Aram all the way through Sefer Melachim. Achav. Big battles in Aram. Where are all those battles held? In Gilad. Gilad is the fighting ground, especially North Gilad, Ramot Gilad, is where all the battles, the big battles of Sefer Melachim are held. Now, I have a claim, I have a theory. The Giladim were the equi- Jewish equivalent of the Spartans. And that's a long theory, I could explain it based on different things. It's quite a random theory. But basically, they fight a lot of wars. And we find here with Yiftach, for example, the idea is whoever will defeat Ammon, he'll be the big boss. How do you elect a leader? He's got to prove himself in battle. It's not simple. Now, I want you to listen very carefully. They say, right? And then we find the story of Gilad, of Yiftach. He was the son of a... Uh, he was the son of Gilad, it's not exactly clear. Were we talking about Gilad the man, or are we talking about Gilad the place? It's not exactly clear, Benny Shazona. Anyway, he's an outcast, thrown out, joins a whole bunch of bad people, right? Joins the gang. Joins the gang. Uh, I understand your Game of Thrones groupies, right? What? Okay, okay, so the equivalent is he is sent to the wall, okay? Joins a whole bunch of Night's Watch, all right? And is uh, basically not a bunch of very friendly fellas. But either way, along comes, right? Along comes, right? Listen, we've put out a, like kind of uh, an option, a, a flyer saying anyone who defeats the Ammonim in battle will be our head. But we need Yiftach. Yiftach is the big bad boss. He'll do it. What will we offer him in return? Right? Right? No. We want you to be a Katsin. What is a Katsin? To the best of my understanding, Katsin is a uh, minister of defense. Right? Katsin is a warlord. Does the Katsin have the same position as, does the Minister of Defense have the same position as the Prime Minister? No. You're going to be a warlord. Basically, we need, we have a problem. You are a problem solver. You're the solution. But that's all you're going to be. You're just going to stay as a solution to our problem. Ah, you guys hate me. Ah, now you need me. Blah, blah, blah. Was his bad relation? So it's pretty clear that Yiftach was of bad blood. He was born Beni Shazona, and uh, we find very often in 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 uh, <laughs> we find very often in uh, these equivalent stories that he's basically he's cast out, so he doesn't threaten their claims. By the way, who else was the son of a Pilegesh and ended up killing all his brothers? Avimelech. You see, so there's precedents. If you've got a guy who's a bit of a iffy character, you don't want him hanging around. What's that? 
Right. Vayomer liftach ez ekinei gilad. Why do you want me? Vayomer uz ekinei gilad liftach. Lachen atay shavnu elecha. That's why we've come back. Baalachta imano v'nilchavta b'nayamon v'aitolanu lachosh l'choyosh v'gilad. You know what? Fine. You can be the big boss. I want to claim, and there are lots of mafreshim that claim that there's lots of mafreshim, but there is a certain perush that claims that this is a diplomatic talk. Yiftach is saying they're putting on the table beer katzin. Yiftach is saying. Ah, you guys hate me. Right? And they're saying, fine. I'll make you the boss. Okay? Fine. If I succeed, that's the deal. Now, here's the interesting part. It says, Now, again, what's the chat? Exactly. Now, exactly. So there's all sorts of mafias going on here. There's, what's this? Okay. Uh, and there's, it's, uh, there's, there's also, listen, if you want to read this in the most simple way, it basically means, Yuftach says, I'll be the boss, I'll go to war, and though they make him the boss. I want to claim that if you actually read the wording, very fine print, you'll see that there's all sorts of different things. There's Ziknei Gilad. Who is Ziknei Gilad? Do they speak for the whole of Yoshevei Gilad? Or is the Am suddenly some kind of diplomatic, uh, democratic elections that say, stuff you elitist Ziknei Gilad, we want him for us. Anyway, it's very interesting. There's a lot to be written here and a lot of theories to be theorized. But anyway, he becomes a Rosh. Ul Katsin. Right? He seems to be the boss. And then we actually have, from Perikut Aleph Pasukut Bet, till Pasuk Kaftet, we have the diplomatic mission between Yiftach and the king of Avon, where he's very, very erudite. And there's a lot of, this is one of the very few, if not the only, uh, diplomatic mission in the Sefer of Tanakh. Right? There's a lot of interesting stuff going forth. Ah, history, you claim, but you lost and regained. There's a theological battle going on here. You come in the name of Kamosh, the god of, of Ammon. I come in the name of Hashem. We won. That means Hashem is with us. All sorts of interesting stuff here. A lot to be analyzed. A lot of history here that he says. We've been here for 300 years, 300 years. This is what happened. Very similar, actually, to a lot of the, the arguments that are made today with regarding to the Palestinians, right? Because at the end of the day, there's a similar claim. You guys came and conquered our land. Give it back. Ah, no, because if you go back into history, you'll see that actually, and so on and so forth. So it's very interesting from a Zionist perspective to learn this parak. And then we find Pasuk of Tet, right? We find Pasuk of Chet, V'lo shama melech ibn Amon, l'tifrei iftach, v'yavor, asher shalach alam. And the, Amon, the king of Amon says, what did you say? In purely Tanakhic terms? Okay, he says basically, stuff you, I'm coming in here. Yiftach says, you know what? Fine, you want it? Come get it. There's all sorts of interesting uh, what's going on in Psukim. Most importantly, This is the crux. If you give 
Amon in, into my hands. And the thing what comes out of my doors towards me when I come back victorious from fighting Amon, right? I'm writing this pasuk on the board because it's important, right? We see, he says. And, I'm, and this is uh, Pasuk Lamed uh, Aleph. He says, Vehaya Lahashem Veheelitihu Ola. Which basically means what? I'll bring him as a car. Right? Fine. Very nice. Which carbon would it be, by the way? An Ola, right? But seemingly, it's actually a Korban Toda. So, interesting to to be No, Ola. What is an Ola? It says, the thing that... Have you read the Perik? No. Great, fine. So, you read this and you'll catch up. He says, the thing that will come out. What will come out towards me. Oh, this is when... Right, now. What was his Havamina? What was his Havamina? Right, it will be a cow or a goat. Okay. What happens if it's a chicken? What happens if it's a dog? What happens if it's a person? Let's see. And he defeated them. And Iftach arrives home. Who comes out towards him? His daughter. What's she doing? Singing and dancing. What? She's holding out something. No, she comes bitupim. What is it tough? A drum. A drum, or actually, to be honest, is a tambourine, seemingly. Right? Bitupim umcholot. By the way, I saw today, I'm also writing up uh, uh, something on this for a course of mine at Herzog. There is a, uh, high, um, a very interesting relief they found in Egypt, of which is of women coming out to Pimumchalot. And it's very interesting because the picture is, I wish I could have brought it, the picture is of the women like this. Oh, what's this? Is this new? Oh, crikey, must be leaking. Right? The picture is of women like this. Okay? Why? Like, it's, it's a hieroglyphic, right? Ah. So it's basically women like this. Oh, what, do you th- what do I think that is? What is that trying to represent? Dancing women. Dancing women. Have you, have you seen African dance? Right? Right? Exactly. You're from South Africa. You're an African, aren't you? But anyway, fine. What? Anyway. That's basically between Mukhalot. Okay, some people would, would like people like to imagine it today. It's kind of no, it's probably a lot more energetic. But either way, either way, between Mukhalot, and then what does he say? You've forced my hand. You've done me in. I made a neder to Hashem, as you asked, and I can't go back. 
Yossig. Because he can. Why? He can transfer the Kedushat to another animal. So let's say it. But Tomer Elav Avi Pitzita et Picha. And she says, Father, you made a nader. El Hashem, Aseli, Kasher Ratzam Picha. Do to me as you made a nader. Acharei, Asher Asa Hashem, Asher Asa Lecha Hashem, Nekamod Moivecha Mimnei Amon. Hashem has, as in, Hashem's kept his part of the deal. You've got to keep your part of the deal. But Tomer Elavia, it's always important in Tanakh when someone says something and then they say something. What does that mean happen in the meantime? There's either a break or the second saying is a follow-up saying. As if I say to you, stop chewing that fork. And I say to you, stop chewing that fork. Okay, then it means either you've been silent in the meantime, as in Yiftach is basically like kind of in shock, like kind of... <coughs> or this is a forceful claim. Do it! But leave me to... What? Sorry? You guys are full of references. Right? Leave me two months. Give me two months. Right? And the Mepharshim say, there are different ways of understanding this. It's either, and I'll wander the mountains, or I will cry in the mountains. And I will cry in, uh, about my Betulim. Because she is a veteran, she, I will cry that I will die young she with says, my friends. She says, Give me two months. Vayomer, what does he say? Biti, Asina Kasher Dibart, right? Tanakh, kind of say. What does he say? He says, Lechi, which basically just means, Go, right? You feel the passion in the Psuki. I'm not kidding. And he did as his neighbor said. And she had not known a man. And every year the girls would go and mourn Yiftach's daughter four days a year. Now, the big question here. Okay, and beforehand, I just want to give you a very small uh, vignette, and this is interesting. There is a Cree and a Ketiv. It says, the, the, the Cree is what we read is, and my friends, but the Ketiv is, and my beloved. Right? And I think there might be a certain, certain theory that she was engaged at the time, and then there's even more tragic. Fine. But either way, now to the very crux. Does the pos- the, what does the Psukim say happened to her? That he did it. What did he do? We don't know. We don't know. That opens up the world of the Mepharshim. Because, like, that's the whole story. What happened in the end? Like, Cliffhanger. So there are two cheetahs. Cheetah number one. He did it. Right? Who holds that cheetah? No. Chazal. As in, this isn't something like kind of some random guy. This is Chazal. Chazal say he was mistaken. He could have fixed his nether. He didn't. He killed her. Okay? 
So it's very interesting if you look in the Mefarshim, you look in the in the in the the, the Midrash, and the Midrashim go crazy about Yiftach, say, why didn't you go and speak to the rabbis and they would have helped you? Why didn't you go to Pinchas, who's the Midrashic rabbinical figure of Sefer Shoftim? Why did, and, and, and then the whole argument, he said, ah, I'm the, the king, why should I go to them? He should come to me. And Pinchas is saying, I'm the Kohen Gadol, why should I go to him? He should come to me. And in the meantime, then squabbling between them, this woman was destroyed. Um, but anyway, the Gemara is very, very strong. And it's very interesting because the Mepharshim basically say, a lot of the Mepharshim that will now see the other Shita, they say, listen, we think something else, but Chazal say he killed her. As in, we can't ignore the fact that according to Chazal, he done her in. This is a big deal. This is human sacrifice. This is human sacrifice. Which other uh, occasion of human sacrifice do we know in Tanakh? Uh, the Akedah, right? Sorry? Uh, I was going to say, no, the Akedah wasn't successful. Was okay, so which, what are you talking about? Right? There's the whole story of Molech. And there's another story of Meisham Melech Moav, which we'll see if we get there in Sefer Melachim. But either way, that's that. Now, the Ramban, by the way, interestingly also, he's one of the only Mepharshim that says, yes, actually, this is what happened, and he made a big mistake. But he quotes the Ibn Ezra, and this is a Shita which is also uh, mirrored in uh, the Raubag, and in the Abarbanel, and the Radak, basically in the Metzudat David. Nearly all the Mepharshim say... Nah, 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 nah. Where Gemara comes. The, and what was the nader? Now I return to his. What does he say? It says, whatever will come out of my house, v'hayal Hashem. Or, and this is, and the, the Ibn Ezra says, just like he says, right? What does makia aviv motumat means? If you hate your mother, or father, you'll die. What did it say? Makir Aviv and your father. So only if you hit your father and your mother, then you die. No, it's Makir Aviv Oimo. But it says Veimo. So here they say, So what happened to her? So she was, uh, she was a, a, a nun. She, what they say is that in the mountains, they build her a little hut and she sat there and then that's what the Pesukim say, Vahaya, miyamim yamima, four days a year, she could see visitors, and that's when all the girls would go and visit her and have a big festival with her. But that's it, that was her visiting hours. No. Why did she ask two months? Two months was basically before, before I, no, I don't think it's before, it's, it's like before, before I go in jail, before I am, I'm incarcerated, give me two months to basically... It's weird that she spent her two months essentially incarcerated anyway. So that's a good question. You have your what lifetime time, in house friends. You might as yeah, well, well have. Yeah, so maybe she's she got married in that time. So. Well, the whole point was that, so it's interesting, the whole point is very clear that for her to be La Hashem, she can't be married. Right, but it seems like there was a two month period until she's going to be for Hashem, so she should engage in something in that period. So it's interesting, so there's actually one of the shitas, and we'll end with this. One of the shitas is that those two months were actually saying, you know what? Let me think about this for two months. All right, I, I'm not like I'm not throwing myself into this. Let's let's go over this and let's like, let me think about it for two months. And then afterwards, she came back and said, "You know what? Fine, let's do this." Now, there's a medrash, very important medrash, that says she says to her father, "Are you nuts? Human sacrifice? We don't do that kind of stuff." And he says, "Ah, but I promised." Da, 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 the neither I'm stuck. 
and uh, she's, and what does the major says? Right? And I will go to the mountains. Who are the mountains? Rabbis. They're the rabbis. They're based in. So what's she doing in those two months? She's suing her father. She's basically knocking on all the doors of all the basins saying, listen, mate, are you going to let this wacko, wacko do me in? All right? And, and, and she failed. And this is also another sign of the failure of leadership of Sefer Shoftim, that they couldn't save. They couldn't save Batiftach. She was caught up in the politics. She was caught up in the misunderstanding of what's going on. And that... It does. And, and actually, and you asked this earlier today, this is a very classic tragedy. So classic is this concept of tragedy that actually this story appears nearly identically in the Greek mythology, which I looked up and is from the time of more or less Chizkiyahu, so probably much later than Tanakh, but probably was not aware of the time of the Tanakh. Okay, don't forget the Tanakh was not a well-known book in the ancient world unless, until Christianity hit the floor. This was a concept which says, for example, Agamemnon, who was fighting in Troy, and he had angered the gods, and in response for angering the gods, he sacrificed his daughter, right? And you want to know how deep this falls into human psychology and into human literature for you Game of Thrones fans, right? Stannis Baratheon kills his daughter to ensure the, the success, as in this concept of sacrificing a child, also known from the Inca, from the Aztecs, also human sacrifice, and so on and so forth. So basically, that's it from Yiftach. In Perik Yudbet, which we didn't go through, uh, there's the story of Yiftach and, and Ephraim. He starts a civil war, and there are those Midrashim that connect this. He was so distraught with what he did with his daughter, he basically kind of went nuts, and basically kind of said... Anyone gets in my way, I'm going to completely destroy them. And uh, although there are other ways of understanding the Medrash as well. And I highly recommend you catch up and you read Perak Yudbet. And tomorrow, Bezat Hashem, we're starting Perak Yudgimel.